Welcome to the No Disqualifications Podcast. I'm Adrian. I'm Laszlo. And we're back. Uh, so once again, as we said last time we recorded for SummerSlam, we are going to SummerSlam. 2022. We are going to arrive. We're going to be looking nice. We're going to have signs. We'll be fresh. Uh, we're buying t-shirts from, from various people. Fly. Uh, we're going to be looking real, real nice. eBay. I'm also, yes, uh, eBay. I'm going to try to purchase a Vince Loves Cox shirt. I'm wearing the You Can't See Me John Cena shirt. I found on eBay today. Size yeah. large, youth large. Yeah, I also have one of those. Yeah, but mine's going to look really nice. Yeah, well, mine's. Compared to yours, you know. I hope you get it. It's missing sleeves or something. I, that would look awesome. You see my oh, one sleeve. It's still awesome. And it has bite marks inside of it. <laughs> Because awesome. the, the fat neck beard that was wearing it was trying to touch somebody and they fought back. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all they could do, you know? You yeah. on top of it was the neck beard. Sweating, you know? Oh. <laughs> we're getting flagged for that one. Uh, so we're covering SummerSlam 2002, 2002, August 25th in Uniondale, New York at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Oh yeah. Um, attendance was fourteen thousand seven hundred ninety-seven. Tell about the buy rate. Buy rate was five hundred and forty thousand. That's a lot of money. For the yeah, those are uh, what forty forty dollars a pop for pay per view back in two thousand two. Yeah. I think was that sound right? Yeah. So, so I mean, forty no, forty four ninety nine forty nine. That's a lot of money. You made a yeah. lot of money off the show. Damn yeah, right. Um, I'm not giving UFC seventy five bucks for a pay per view nowadays. I'm just not doing it. And I mean, average average ticket prices, I'm sure, are probably like for nosebleeds are still like fifteen dollars. But I mean, like you're looking for front row, you're in front of the hard camera. You're probably paying for SummerSlam. I mean, tickets now to put in perspective for uh, up front, you're five hundred six hundred dollars. How close are we going to be? We're lower level. We're not floor. We're right above floor. On the lower level part of that, in front of the hard camera. Yeah, we're. Uh, I want to say we're. Sexy. We're not directly hard camera. We are <coughs> like we're not the section that's directly gonna be on hard camera. We're the one right beside it. We'll still be seen. Honestly. It's okay. Pretty badass. It is it's pretty, pretty badass. And how much do we pay per ticket? Like one eighty. One eighty. Please. I mean, like that's. It's like. I would have been fine really sitting anywhere at SummerSlam. Yeah, but the fact. But we, the fact that we got what we wanted, makes me happy. Uh, so yeah, SummerSlam 2002. Uh, it made a good amount of money. I, I'm trying to look here for the aftermath of this show, as far as the reception. Um, all around this show, yeah, like I said, 540,000 buys. So it was a commercial success. It received universal acclaim from critics and fans. It's regarded. It's often regarded. This one show is regarded as the greatest SummerSlam of all time. Really? Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know if you buy into that one. Uh, Cultaholic said this. Cultaholic, you should watch Cultaholic's YouTube videos. Absolutely. They rank this as the um, uh, the greatest 2002 pay per view. Um, it's okay. also, it's also one of the great. They've also ranked this as one of the greatest SummerSlams of all time. Uh, Meltzer gave the big D Meltzer. You know, when when we get to the when we give our grades, I'll let you know what Meltzer gave as far as his his stars for the show. Awesome as well. Even though Meltzer can <laughs> eat a fat dick. Um, oh yeah, professionalism. Uh, so first match tonight we have Kurt Angle here versus Kurt uh, Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio, Mysterio Jr. Um, this is Rey Mysterio's pay per view debut match really? against Kurt Angle. Um, Rey doesn't make make his entrance like they. Kurt Kurt's like looking at it and he's like he's getting piped piped. No, he's not getting piped. He's getting pumped. Of course, little boys. 
He's a man. man's world. He likes to play with those little boys. He's looking up at the entrance ramp. He's, he's getting pissed off when Rey Mysterio's at. Rey Mysterio sneaks behind him. He hits a head scissors. And then Kurt kind of takes over. He hits a few suplexes. Um, no one hits a suplex better than Kurt Angle. That's my personal opinion. That's a fact. Right uh, Benoit, you know, Benoit, Benoit hits aggressive suplexes. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Angle hits <coughs> aggressive, but they look clean every time he does. Like it's a, it's every every suplex he does looks crisp and and and, and aggressive at the same time. Um, there's a wheelbarrow German suplex. So um, Rey Mysterio has this move where he'll run, he'll go for a wheelbarrow, he'll pop up and hit like a bulldog. And when he goes to pop back up for that bulldog, Kurt just German suplexes him, which was nice. Kurt locks in a half Boston Crab and then connects with a short arm clothesline. Um, really popular spot here. Ray does the rolling senton over the referee. Kurt Angle's outside the ring. The referee is telling him to get back in. And he, like, pushes Ray away. He's like, Ray, you can't come out. Like, chill, stay in the ring. Ray runs and does that front flip over the ref, clears the ref, and hits Kurt Angle. Um, there's a 619 for two. Um, when Ray goes, uh, goes again for something, uh, Kurt Angle puts him in the ankle lock and, and Ray taps out. Um, when, whenever, so whenever he goes for like, so Ray goes for a diving her Karana and when he goes to a diving her Karana and, and Ray's body drops down, uh, angle just hops on the ankle. Just like he, he hops in the yeah, That's right. Yeah. He hops on like a shark. He threw the he part. threw the shoe. He pulled pulled the boot off. Am I crazy? That was at the end of the match, yeah, I think. Oh. He, he he hops on him and he he taps him out pretty quick. Um some people may argue, yo, why is Ray tapping in his debut, you know, pay-per-view match? It's Kurt Angle. You don't look bad against Kurt Angle. No. You never look bad against Kurt Angle. No matter what. <clears throat> if um, you tap, if you get pinned, it doesn't matter. Laz, your thoughts on this match? This is a five bell match. Oh, five bells. This was a five bell match. I, I, I watched it so long ago, I don't, but I did grade it. Five schmackaroos on it. Five bells. Um, I gave it a four myself. Um, this is one of the matches from this pay-per-view I remember the most. Um, I think, like, well, I had a Rey Mysterio DVD, and it was called Rey Mysterio Wrestling's Biggest Little Man. And it was like this was like the first, like this one of the second matches on the DVD. So I remember watching this one a lot back in the day before the network kids. Um, you had to watch the DVDs or they had WWE 24 7. So you could watch it like Comcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like on demand. Yeah. Yeah. On, they have on demand service. But <laughs> that costs like $7 a month. My mom didn't want to pay $7 a month for it, you know, back for streaming services. And then, you know, they had some cool stuff. They had, like, the free stuff you'd watch on there. Yeah. But if I wanted to watch SummerSlam, it cost me $10 to watch SummerSlam. Even though it happened 10 years ago, it would cost me $10 to watch SummerSlam. So um, I never I never had seen this until we started getting DVDs, started going to McKay's. And my grandma, every year for Christmas, would order me five DVDs off of Amazon. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'd get different DVDs. So, I've seen this match quite a few times. It's four bells to me. I would love to make it a five. Um, I just don't remember enough about it. It, it. It's a great match, but it doesn't give me enough. Not enough stays with it. Stays with me to give it a five. 
I gave it a four, and you said you gave it a five? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Meltzer actually ended up giving this match, um, he gave it a 3.75 stars out of out of five. That's a, that's a, that's a B plus. Um, yeah, so you gave it a 3.75. I guess we just say three and a third. And, uh, three and a third. <coughs> three and three third. Three and three, three and yeah, well, I'm just saying three, three, seven, three and three quarters. Three and three quarters. Sorry. Um, he gave three and three quarters stars. Um, good match. Good opener. Really good opener. Great cur- curtain jerker for sure. Uh, next match here, um, we have Ric Flair, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Um, the walls of Jericho. Jericho. The the big uh, I guess backstage story going on here. Uh, Rick. Flair does not have confidence in his abilities anymore. I don't blame him. Um, he hadn't wrestled since, I think, like 2000 in WCW. He doesn't have the confidence. Um, originally, they're going to have like a roll-up victory. Flair was still going to win, but originally it was going to make a roll-up or something like that. And Jericho was like, no, nah, like I want I want to tap to the figure four. And, and, and Rick was like, oh, no, I'll give you a roll-up. And... Jericho's like, I want to tap. I want. I'm. If I'm gonna lose, I want to lose to your shit. Damn. So tap me to the tap me to the figure four. You know we don't have to do a bunch of chicanery or anything. Tap me to the figure four. I want to lose your stuff because Ric Flair in WWE had never won a match with the figure four like what he never tapped me to this point. Um. So Jericho's like, this is how I want. I want you to do it. You know, I want you to be Ric Flair. And I want you to, you know, tap me out. So the match starts. Rick and Jericho are, like, sending chops back and forth. Um, Rick gets thrown into the corner to the flare spot where he goes up and under and walks the apron. And he completely blows that spot. Um, He's an old man at this he point, He is bro. Uh, 53, right? Is that what? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, 6, he was 53. So this is four. He's 49. Um, Still past the prime age. Yeah. So. Uh, Jericho clotheslines him out of the ring. Uh, Jericho's tossed tossed off the top rope. Um, Flair kind of fights for control again. Hits a few Flair chops. It's a bat suplex on Jericho. Corner bulldog spot from Jericho. Jericho then misses the lion salt. Rick goes for the walls. Rick goes for the walls. Jericho, which I almost instead of winning with the figure four, I think it would have been cool if he would have won with Jericho's finishing move. But that, that would be cool. Um, Rick taps out. Taps to the figure four. But he's holding the ropes while he's doing it, so I think that's a that's an, that's an interesting spot that you don't see anymore. Um, as long as he's holding the ropes, he can tap as much as he wants. The ropes cancel out the moves, so I thought that was kind of an interesting, interesting thing right there. Um, Rick then hits a low blow and puts Jericho in the figure four to tap him out for the win. For the win, I gave this match two. That's what I gave it two, and again, I nothing stood out about this match to me. Still. You know, for this match, I just didn't – I feel like they just didn't have chemistry. Um, that, that's what really held me back on it. I just felt like the chemistry wasn't there. Um, I think – I'm going to be honest. Besides the match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24, I, I there are very few Ric Flair matches where I'm like, that was a good Ric Flair match. That's my fault. I should probably watch some more Ric Flair and see if there's something out there that sticks out to me. But I've never seen a Ric Flair match where I'm like, wow, this was a really good Ric Flair match because of Ric Flair. He was big in the 80s? Big in the 80s and early 90s. Okay. Um, I just feel like him and Jericho didn't click. Uh, That's just my opinion. Uh, You gave it a two. I gave it a two. 
Meltzer gave this one a two and three quarters. Oh, okay. So um, maybe he saw something in this match that we didn't see. I don't know. I didn't think it was that great, but I agree. that's just my opinion. But that's all this podcast is. It's just our opinion. Some of it's fact, though. Most of it's fact. I'll agree. Uh, next, we have Eddie Guerrero versus Edge. Um, Edge, man, I'll tell you what, not sticking out to me. In 2002, he's not sticking out to me. Um, Eddie didn't really, and I love Eddie Guerrero, he didn't really see him on his game either. He seemed like he was kind of like going through the motions. Like, I don't give a shit about this match. Uh, and this is sober, Eddie. Um, I just oh, really? feel like he just, yeah, it just seemed like he didn't care, I guess. I mean, I'm not, that's not a knock to who he is. I'm just thinking like he just felt like he didn't really, um, didn't really care too much. But nonetheless, we get into this match. Um, there's a flap, flapjack by Edge, um, leapfrog into a monkey flip to Eddie. Edge spears Eddie while he's tied up to the ropes. Um, Eddie hits a top rope shoulder breaker and he puts Edge in the key lock, um, which is Eddie's working this whole arm and shoulder of Edge, um, which is the story is here. It's preventing Edge from being able to hit the spear and stuff like that. And there were headbutts to the shoulder. Yeah, he was headbutting him in the shoulder and shit like that. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Once again, they've had better matches. This one just didn't, to me. These two guys have had better matches. They've had better matches, like, yeah. This one just, to me, didn't feel like it clicked, really. Um, Edge finds an opening, though, and suplexes Eddie out. He, like, suplexes him out of the ring, which was actually pretty brutal. Um, Edge dives out of the ring on top of Eddie, and then Edge ends up hitting the spear to Eddie for the win. Um, and I gave this one three. Me too. And anything stick out to you on this one? Because I would just. The, the shoulder headbutts that was that stuck out to me is pretty strange, and apparently it was Eddie G headbutting Edge. Yeah, in the shoulder head. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot. <laughs> it, is. it is, but it's it's what it's what stuck out to me. I mean, I guess that's the uh, I'll, I'll give him credit. Maybe that's the psychology behind it. He's that determined to hurt Edge. He's willing to sacrifice. I'm imagining his. headbutting someone's shoulder, and I could feel the pain in my head going me me every time, like I headbutt someone's shoulder. I, I don't know. If you're gonna take a headbutt somewhere, it's gonna be on your shoulder. Yeah. I mean, okay. um, I gave it a I gave it a three. You gave three it a two. three. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave it a three and a quarter. Three and a quarter stars. All right, we're pretty uneven with this Meltzer fella. Yeah, Meltzer's a bitch. Um, nice. So, uh, next match, we have Booker T and Goldust. Um, Booker T and Goldust versus the Un-Americans. This is for the WWE Tag Team Championships. The Un-Americans, of course, Christian and Lance Storm. Uh, man, what are your thoughts about the, this whole gimmick, the Un-Americans? It's two Canadians. Well, it's, it's three Canadians. Lance Storm, Christian, and Test. Test. This was cheapy. Is all it was with the upside down American flags. It was after 9-11, mm-hmm. the year after, and all three are Canadians. Right, test is yeah. Canadian. All three Canadians. Yeah, so all three are Canadians. Um, it's just cheap heat. It's like in the 80s how like the, they had the guy dressed up like a sheep coming out with the signs that USA is not okay. You know, and it, it's just like, oh, ooh. It's, it's cheap heat because Lance is a Lance Storm is a likable guy. Um, who's the other? Christian, not very likable. But, I mean, it's, but still, like Lance Storm, a likable guy. Uh, test. 
is just a, a walking pile of, of flesh. He's not, there's no personality there. So I guess that she beat. She beat. They're, they're Canadians. Oh, you hate America. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, just to keep up here with the death count that we got so far going with the show, um, Eddie Guerrero, of course, has passed away. So um, Tess has passed away. I'll just let you guys know for the whole show. Eddie Guerrero, Test, um, Mean Gene, who you will later Gene see. Overman. He'll have a he'll have a segment later on. Howard Finkel will have a segment later on. Not Mean Gene, actually. I don't think it's a segment later. And uh, Chris Benoit, of course. Oh, of course. Um, those are that's the death count for the show there. Um, but Goldust and Christian start off, and Goldust hits a, a running uh, bum tackle, and he hits a signature punch from the mat, which I always liked, where, like, the guy bends down to take to send him over for the back body drop, and Goldust runs up on him, jumps to his back, and hits him in the face. I just like the – I like the theatrics in the, of that mat, of that move right there. Uh, Goldust hits an inverted atomic drop and a clothesline to Booker T. Or no, Booker T and Lance Storm trade off with a few knees and body slams um, until Goldust is tagged in and tossed over the top turnbuckle. Uh Booker T is so over. It's insane. Yeah. Um, he was King T. I mean, and, and him and Goldust did really, really well as a tag team as far as being over. A lot and of chemistry. Like, and they, they're both good on playing off of each other. Um, but I always wonder, you could have strapped the rocket to this guy in 2001 when he debuted. And he would have been, he would have been a champion, multiple time, multiple time champion come, you know, 2006. He was a five-time, five-time, five-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, you but I'm saying he, could, I'm saying he could have been a five-time, five-time, five-time WWE Champion. Yeah, come his retirement. Nonetheless, I digress here. Uh, the Un-Americans corner Gold Dust and beat him off in the corner. Yes, they beat him off in the corner. The Un-Americans miss the concerto and the USA chance breakout in the Coliseum as Booker. Uh, gets the hot tag and drops both of them with chops and some slaps. And I love Booker T's slap and chop combo. I I like his slaps and chops better than Ric Flair's because he does the, the back chop and then front chest. Back, 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 back. I, I like it because it, it just it looks More better. Fluid. It looks fluid. And sometimes he switches hands on it. So I, I just it looks cooler. It's cooler to me, yeah. Um, the ref is out. Booker T hits a sidekick. He does a spinner rooney. When he gets back up from a spoonery, test runs out, hits him with a big boot, and while Booker T is laying out there dead, um, they get the pin on him for the win. The Un-Americans retain in the match. I gave four bells. Really? I gave it four. It, it entertained me. It really did. Um, on paper, you wouldn't. I personally wouldn't have expected to be under, entertained by it, but it man, it really did entertain me. There was well, it all that talent. In that ring. There's so much talent, and I think a lot of underrated talent as well. I think um, people didn't really start appreciating Gold Dust until after he had already left and gone to AEW. And really? I think people need to reevaluate how they feel about Booker T and realize he's always been a star. Oh, he is a he star. He really is. He's such, he's such a star. And um, Lance Storm. Mm-hmm. I go to the physique, the, didn't have a look. I mean, you know, he, yeah, he didn't. He, like, he looks he like a state trooper from New Jersey. He yes, really does. But like, like the, his, he's athletic too. He really so, is. Yeah, he's, he has one of the best super kicks in the game. This is a three bell match from where I'm. Three bell for you, um, Meltzer. Our boy Meltzer gave it three stars. Meltzer sounding smart. Over no, here. Meltzer's a bitch though. Yeah, It'll get worse. Don't worry. He's pretty pretty level with us. Yeah, well, that's just because this is the pretty level show. 
He also thinks the word Mark is the equivalent to the N-word. I saw that on Twitter. What and I know, idiot. I know, we missed our news break. Oh, man, we'll give a small news break at the end of this episode. Um, next match for the United States Championship, Rob Van Dam versus Chris Benoit. This is for the United States Championship. Um, going into this match, Benoit being the heel and being the champion. Um, this match is one of the longest matches on the card, so... They're showing importance in some of these mid-car titles. This is a 16-minute and 30-second match. All of RVD's matches uh, are like 20 minutes. They've made them, yeah. When we watch RVD, his matches are normally pretty pretty long. This is a weird match to me, and here's why. RVD gets his ass whooped for the majority of this match. Yeah. Like, he really does. Uh, Benoit is, like, going limb by limb and picking him apart. Like, he really post. Uh, slowly and aggressively. Just beating the shit out of him. Um, Benoit does his diving head, but he misses it. Okay, RBD hits a spinning leg drop, and then Benoit gets control again and begins beating the hell out of him again. And, like, he really gets – he really lays in on on Benoit. The one thing I like about Benoit and RBD matches, um, RBD was known to lay those kicks in pretty stiff. Benoit's the type of guy that would be like, okay, you kick me in the face, I kick you in the face. They, He was one of those guys that liked to work stiff in the like ring. Cash receipts. Yeah, so I, I'm sure they complimented each other well, and I'm sure they gave plenty of receipts to each other. Um, Benoit, like I said, controlled the majority of this match, and he looks good. Rob Van Dam looks good. They both look good in this match. Um, RVD reverses a top rope back suplex and then hits a five-star frog splash. Relatively out of nowhere for the win. I felt like this match was anticlimactic in the fact that Rob Van Dam gets his ass beat the entire match, reverses one move, hits a five-star and wins. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. And I we, we've shot away from the halves, but well, I was pretty torn on it. Why not a four? The it was just too anticlimactic. Okay. But I would have I could have you know, I could have dropped it to a three. But I felt like they they did give a lot. And were you were you not a Benoit fan before he murdered his family? I, mean, I was a Benoit fan. I don't think I was ever like. Were you a posters on the wall kind of Benoit? No, fan? no, no. And I was never one of those like Benoit's wrestling. I'm super excited type of person. Um, but I was. I knew it would be like a good match. Like I knew it was going to be like entertaining. I I was I never liked Benoit as much as I liked Eddie or Ray or anything like that. Right. I, I never. Right. Oh, even though can. even though can. Benoit is a small guy, and you would think like, yeah, like I just never. He was built like a Wolverine. He really yeah. Was. I just those you know I never I never like I never like looked at him as like one of those guys. And something about Benoit that I think, if we separate the art from the artist, um, I ignore that. Not ignore, but I, I just try to look at his his body of work. He is great. He's one of the greatest of all time as far as from bell to bell being able to put the work in. Yeah, toothless rage or whatever. Um, <laughs> toothless aggression. But aggression. at the same time, like, I uh, I just – I don't know. There's just – he never – he couldn't really cut a promo. He never really entertained me. So, I, he, I, yeah. think, I think I appreciate – which is odd because it's after everything's happened – um, after he did what he did, but I think I appreciate his in ring in ring work now more than I did then. But knowing the person he is, 
you have to make, make that tough. separation. It's, it's hard to. Yeah. Because I want to appreciate his work. I want to appreciate his matches. Because while he was doing those matches, I don't know what kind of person he was when he went home. But when between the bell to bell, he was great. People have come out and said he was a dick backstage. I've heard stories. Miz say, kick you out of the ring because you're eating chicken over someone's bag or whatever, making you dress. Going to change into a janitor's closet. Or or he was brutal about it. And Benoit talks, Jericho talks about how he did um, 100 of those squats because he made a kick look fake or something like that. You know, (laughs) like he sounds like a hard ass and he sounds like he was a douche to a lot of people. Yeah. But it, once again, to come back to so you have to separate the art from the artist, especially when we're doing this podcast, as much as he's a, a bad person, at least in the end of his life, um, so, from bell to bell, he was a performer. He was a performer. And you don't want to ignore the fact that he died a monster. But I have to think in 2002, he's not that monster. Yeah. You know, I have to separate it. Um, but to answer your question, I knew I would get a good match when I watched, but I didn't appreciate him as much as I – I didn't appreciate his work as much as I do now. Okay. Because you watch it objectively now, right? I, I mean, try to I try to watch it. And, you know, when you're a kid, like, it's really about the oh, – it's, it's, it's the theatrics of it all. Yeah. Benoit wasn't theatrics. It still is about the theatrics of Yeah, it all. I think when you're a kid, it's that's one of the only ways you're seeing it. You know, when I'm looking at watching Benoit, he died in 2007. I was nine. So during his career, I wasn't thinking, man, his work rate's great. He died in 07? Yeah. So I don't don't see his work rate. When I'm eight or nine, I'm not looking at your work rate and saying, man, you're like, these suplexes are fantastic. Or like, you know, he really, his work rate's great. And he bell to bell, man, those suplexes are crisp. And the way he rotates, I'm not thinking about that. Now I think about it. So I appreciate his work better, more. But uh, I remember we'd have to check the archives, but I remember watching a match of, I can't remember who Chris Benoit was wrestling, but we watched a match of theirs and we reviewed it for one of the podcasts when the guy Darren, the homie Darren was on the, the podcast. And you and Darren gave it one star. You gave the match one star next. And I was like, I gave it three. That was a great match. I don't know what you guys were watching. And Darren, Darren said, Maybe we have to take our nostalgia goggles off because, like, you know, we're, we're, we are watching knowing who yeah. he became. We're not watching this match. And it was a good match. So it's like, it's tough to separate the art from the artist. Um, Marilyn Manson, this is a different, but like, he's uh, his portion of an American Family album is like one of my top five. That kind of music is like easily in my top five favorite albums of, of metal or whatever you want to call it, new metal. Uh, he's a total piece of crap groomer abuser like yeah. a total piece of crap but what an artist so you know i guess you gotta separate the art from the artist having said all that three bells this is I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure rob van dam saved this match for himself and me you know it made it it made it more watchable just to just to see it you know i agree you gave it a three yeah um i gave it that three and a half and Meltzer, however Meltzer gave this match and i'm really curious Meltzer gave the RVD and Benoit match 3.5 stars. Right on the money where I was at. I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. You don't like that. All right. So after a quick little break and a word from our sponsor, we'll be right back with the second half of your SummerSlam 2002 review. 
And we're back. Back from those ads. That was great. Did you enjoy great. that ad? Yeah, there was a bunch of ads. It was uh, No, it was actually just our Anchor ad. Make sure you download Anchor and, um, you know, create a podcast too. But nothing that's going to rival our podcast nothing or can. bad things are going to happen to you. That's right. Well, nothing can. Really. That's not a threat. We're just, well, nothing if, can rival you us. You're right. Make, if you make it in an attempt or you make it with the intention of rivaling ours, you're going to lose. I also want to call out every podcast that just makes a podcast just to shit on wrestling. Like, the, the amount of negativity that you just put out in the world, you're not helping anybody. This is true, but this is also – that's the problem with the First Amendment. That's the problem. This isn't I mean, this isn't a constitutional claim. I'm just saying, like, know, you're a bitch. I'm like, not saying that I agree. you they, shouldn't. I'm not trying to silence you. They are some bitches. I'm just saying but you're a bitch. It is their right to put out a podcast. I know. It's your it. right to just get on here and make fun of WWE and cry about it all the time. But until, you provide, until you provide better solutions, don't talk. That's true. Now we move on to the next one here. Uh, this is Test versus The Undertaker. And, you know, talking about shitting on stuff, you know, we're about to talk about the Underwhelmer and Test. The Underwhelmer and Test. Um, Taker right away goes for old school, but Test pushes the referee into the ropes and knocks him off the top. That's smart. That's smart thinking. That's smart thinking. Uh, chokeslam to Test 4-2. Can you believe the Test kicks out the Undertaker's chokeslam at two? The finisher of all finishers. It's one of his finishers, yeah. Um, the Un-Americans interfere, um, and then Test hits a big boot 4-2. Um, that low key kind of buries Test a little bit. That Test hits his finishing move on Taker, and Taker kicks out too. Um, if that's your finish, that should be your finish. Small little rant I got building up right here. I'm just gonna go ahead and let that little rant out. Um, nowadays in wrestling, people hit Canadian destroyers as setup moves. A Canadian destroyer is a finisher. Once upon a time, the super kick used to be a finishing move. Now Switching everyone everyone the... hits a super kick to set up another move. Yeah. Um WWE does it. AEW is hella guilty of it. Big spot after big spot after big spot after big spot. Yeah. Build a story that leads to a big spot that ends the match. Wrestling is storytelling. And, and uh, an athletic, athletic event. So the story should not be, I went through a table 16 times. Yeah. I went through a ladder. I hit six cane destroyers and elbow drop. That's the story. What story did the Dudleys ever tell? That's a good... <laughs> I don't know if it, I think the Dudleys story was always a crescendo towards the table spot. Like, it was always building towards that table spot. Um and don't get me wrong, you know, there's attitude error matches that are just as guilty of it. I'm not taking away from that. Yeah. I think both companies are guilty of it, but every match should tell a story, and the story shouldn't be, oh, let's do a bunch of high spots that leads to one mega high spot that leads to someone running out of nowhere and hitting a knee for the win. I think that yeah. cheapens everything. Um, it cheapens the art of wrestling. Thank you. Um, however, take your boots to the chair and to test head. And then hits him with a pile driver um, for the win. And then he goes into the crowd and gets the American flag and everybody chants USA. It was right after 9 11, folks. Uh, the year after 9 11. I gave this one three. This, I, really? I did. Uh, I, I I like Test. Okay. I gave it a two. Next. Uh, well, Meltzer gave it a two and a quarter. Smart guy. 
and an intelli- a nice guy too. I heard real, real stand up. Yeah, he's a real stand up bitch. Um, okay, so this next match here, sir, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, an unsanctioned match. Let me go ahead and set the stage a little bit. Shawn Michaels had not wrestled since 1998, specifically the Royal Rumble of 1998. He was in a casket match against The Undertaker. In that match, he injured his back. He cracked a disc. And he was no longer, he, was, he wasn't present in No Way Out 1998, which we'll cover at some point. Actually, I have the notes already written out for that one. Um, in which he was supposed to be a part of a big, like, I think it was an eight-man tag match. He wasn't there. Nope. He wrestles at WrestleMania against Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is WrestleMania 14. This is where he passes the torch. This is the big story about Undertaker backstage taping his fists. Okay, Sean wasn't gonna do the job. Shoot. At this, this is, point, this Sean's messed up on pills, popping pain pills. He's he's not in the right mind. So Sean leaves for a while. He comes back, you know, as a commissioner in '99 and little you know segments here and there. Behind that commissioner's table, all you want, Sean Michaels. But for the most part, for those four years, he's gone. That's he some, someone is that someone wanted to jerk a knot in his ass? Is that what they were talking about? I think so. He said, you can hide behind that commission tables for so long. But I'm going to jerk a knot in your ass. Who was that, Bill Young? I think well, it was one of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. I'm for those four years, no match. Okay. I think he may have had one like one indie match. Um, for like a friend's show. No match. Okay. Sean hasn't been seen in WWE ring in four years. So, as the story goes... Um, Bruce Pritchard told the story. He was something to wrestle with, something to wrestle with podcast. He was on the creative team. He said that he was in Houston talking to Sean. He was like, Sean, I think you have one good match left in you. And, and, you know, Sean came to a show and Sean, you know, whatever. It got to the point where they said, okay, Sean was like, I'll do this one match. I'll do one match. It can't be a normal match. It has to be like a hardcore something because if I'm going to be Sean Michaels, I want to be Sean Michaels. He didn't think he was. You know he's in cute. State to you be. know he's sexy. He's got the moves that make all the girls wild. Wild. Um, just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Um, but he wasn't sure if he was there yet. Um, so I disagree. Well, you know, that's... he they 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 set the segment up where Triple H calls Sean out, and they're gonna get reunite DX and everything. And and when this happens, um. Triple H turns his back on him. He pedigrees him. Um, there's a moment where Sean gets his head rammed through a gla- uh, a car window and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a moment here where, where Sean's sitting there and they're doing the VA camera or whatever. And uh, Sean's like, I want to come back and I want to fight you, Hunter. Triple H. Hunter H. Holmes. And uh, he's like, oh, I think I'll be back. Uh, I'll say SummerSlam. Oh, and then that's where you know bum, bum, bum. the promo package plays the big music and they hype it up, and this is where we get to the unsanctioned match. That's not the song. That's not the song. No, okay, well, still a good song. Man. You show that promo package. It's a good jam. Um, but this is where we get to this match here. You get Shawn Michaels, Triple H, unsanctioned match. Uh, Michaels comes out right away. Uh, this whole beginning of this match is just punch kick offense. They're they're fighting the brawling. This is on section. Um, Sean hits a plancha. 
And then uh, Triple H executes a series of backbreakers working over Shawn Michaels' back. That's the damn story. They're telling the story. Shawn Michaels has an injured back. He's smacking him with the belt. He's got him up in the upside down in the corner. Hits him in the ass with the chair. Should have been the back, but like still. He's working. He's working back. Shawn's back. Uh, because once again, this was scheduled to be a one and done. Sean was going to come back. He was going to have his moment, and he was going to be gone. Obviously, we know how that turned out. Um, I mean, I, you know, I should, Jesus, you know, I should, I fucking Michaels hits Triple H with the ladder, and then he hits uh, a top rope splash from the top rope of that ladder. Uh, top of the ladder there. And then uh, Sean hits a splash off the top rope through the through a table on the floor. And then it's a diving elbow drop off the ladder. The match comes to the end when Michaels went for the uh, switching music, which Triple H counters into a pedigree. And then Michaels counters that into a jackknife roll-up for the win. After the match, however, Triple H hits Shawn Michaels with a sledgehammer twice, forcing Michaels to be carried away on a stretcher. And this was how they're going to permanently write Shawn Michaels away. This gives Triple H heat, making him look even more of a bad guy. Shawn Michaels got the win, had his moment. Triple H looks like a bad guy. Yeah. Shawn Michaels leaves wrestling. Triple H has his extra heat going into the rest of the year. Shawn, what was your opinion on the match? Shawn Michaels is here in studio. Shawn, I'm curious. What do you think about the match you had? This is your first match back. Yes. Uh, eloquently put. Yeah, I think that he had the same sentiment as I did. How many bells do you have this one, Shawn? The fuck is he saying? That's, I don't know. I don't know what you're saying. But I think he was speaking for me. This was my 96, Sean. Passed on the Dutch to the left hand side. This is, this is, um, oops. Bald Sean. He was speaking for me. And you? And I said five bells. You have five bells. You have five. Tell us what you think about the match. <clears throat> this is what I would call trash can wrestling. There were trash cans. There were um, was there were there barbed wires? Was, no, was there, no barbed wire in this one. But there was lots of blood. There was a lot. There was of, a lot. Of, there was a lot of anguish and hatred between the two the two gentlemen. Um, this was a great match. This is this is ah, man. Uh, the risk that these guys put put themselves through is far less than the reward, I'm sure. But it still was an amazing match to watch. All the blood, all the guts, all the glory, all the goryness. Five bells. Five bells. Hell yeah. All right, I'm going to give this one a five as well. Uh, welcome to the Hall of Fame. We're going to put this one in the Hall of Fame here. Uh, Meltzer gave this match a four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. Um, and Meltzer's probably, I mean, like, if you go, if you want to break it down, he's probably seen more matches than you and I have watched combined. Yeah. I mean, live alone, you know? I don't think he ever goes to matches live, actually, which is a weird thing. A lot of matches uh, he watches from home, which is, I guess, an interesting little factoid. I still think that Meltzer's a bitch, but that's yeah. just my opinion. Um, he has a lot of stupid opinions, and he also has a tendency to think that the, the N-word is the equivalent to calling someone a mark. That's insane. What a, what a mark as bitch. a mark-ass bitch, which, mark-ass by the mark. way, I called him a mark-ass bitch on Twitter, and I got a strike on my account. So I guess I got to play friendly now. I guess you can't counter 
ignorant people, but that's whatever. Do they know you're black? If Twitter knew you were black, they would not. Twitter, if they knew I was black, then they probably wouldn't, wouldn't do anything because it's Twitter. It's Twitter. I need to find black Twitter and stay over on that side of Twitter. I'm on black Twitter. I, I love some of those. I follow a lot of those guys. Um, I give it a five, though. You give it a five? I give it a five. Standing in the hall, babe. Meltzer knows your name. He's a bitch, though. He's a bitch, though. What a little bitch Meltzer be. Okay. All right. Uh, next match, here we have our main event for the WWE Championship. The Rock versus The Brock. Brock Lesnar versus Rocky Maya Villa, a.k.a. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> when I was going to Tan and Planet Fitness, I would write Laszlo, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> like, why? Like, why not? Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> Laszlo, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> um, against Brock Lesnar. It's a young Brock Lesnar. He's only been wrestling since, I think, like March at this point. It's August. He's a young kid. Young kid. I think it's 24. Damn. 24, 25. He's out of college, basically. Yeah. Um, Rock takes off into Brock Lesnar right away, but he gets tossed with a few belly to, belly to bellies. Um, Rock just gets manhandled around, tossed around for quite a bit. Um, he gets tossed to that middle rope, and then Heyman like, kicks him in the stomach while he's at ringside. Um, what part of the body is Brock working? The midsection. The ribs. The injured ribs of the Rock. Um, both Brock and Brock, this is a good moment. I love this. They both do the kip up at the same time. Yeah, like when the ref like, gets the five. They will jump up on the kick. I like that. Yeah, that was that was a spot. That popped me. Um, I bet it did. Popped you right in the jaw. Just pop. Yeah, right in the jaw. That's what popped me. Rock locks in the shit shooter. Uh, so there's a podcast to listen to occasionally called Deadlock Podcast. And. They have this person at their Patreon that so whenever someone joins a Patreon, they read the Patreon, it's like the guy's name, and the patron's name is Dick, <laughs> The Rock, Johnson, and he, he does that every week because he'll if people will start changing their Patreon names to Dick, The Rock, Johnson, or the It'll be like uh, Rick, the Doc, Watson. <laughs> it's a random show like that. So every time I think of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, that's what I think of. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, but he locks in the shit shooter. Uh, Brock then hits the Rock in the ribs with a chair, and then locks in the bear hug, and and they're playing it up. Oh, Bro- Brock! Uh, it's Jim Ross over here. I can't do it. I can't do a Jim Ross impression. I've done one in a while. Good, by God. Oh, oh, by God. Lacerated oh, kid. Oh, oh, God. Oh, he's like, oh, Brock locked in this on Hulk Hogan, and all oh, the blood was seeping out of Hogan's mouth. By God. And um, so yeah, he locks him in the bear hug. Rock bombed to Heyman through the announce table, which was just like kind of a random bump. I just, I don't know. It didn't take me out of the match. It just was like. Anytime you don't have that, a bingo card for that, that idiot takes a bump, I'm down. I'm sure well, I'm sure Heyman sure took a lot of bumps. No, I'm not talking about cocaine off your hand. I'm talking about like a bump in the ring where you get hurt. Fair, 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 fair. Um, after this, uh, Rocky sucks chance because the crowd is turned on the rock now. They are pro Brock here. Um, yeah. are raining down on, on them. 
Um, rock bottom to Brock for two. Brock hits a rock bottom for two. They do a few chain reversals, leading to an F5 for the win. And your new WWE champion, Brock Lesnar. Um, Melter gave the main event three and a quarter stars. Damn. I gave it four and a half. I gave it four. This was this was a great match. I wasn't expecting much. I'll be honest. Like this this is what I would call a hoss match. Mm-hmm. Not because like like when we see hoss matches, there's usually four hundred pound guys that are five foot six. Yeah. But th- this was a hoss match. This was a uh, how did Darren put it? Two beefy big boys beefing beef slapping meat or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's what this was. I mean, that's these two big scary men. Um, I want to point out here that uh, something interesting to me. I just want to point out um, after this moment, they didn't show it on. Um, they didn't show it here, um, but later on. So the undisputed champion, which is what the what the title is for the undisputed championship, they're defended on both Raw and SmackDown. Okay, I'm giving you a little insight here. Uh, Eric Bischoff was the general manager of Raw. Stephanie Man was the general manager of SmackDown. Okay. Okay. So that title is defended on both shows. The interesting thing here is Benoit was um, was a SmackDown guy. Rob Van Dam was a Raw guy. So when Rob Van Dam won that Intercontinental Championship, he brought the title to, to Raw. Okay. There's a backstage segment throughout the show where Bischoff is like, ha, 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 we got the Raw title. And he's like laughing at Stephanie. Okay. okay. Brock Lesnar's a SmackDown guy. Or Brock, Brock Lesnar, I think, was a floater. He was a free agent at the time. After Brock beat The Rock and became the undisputed champion, yeah, there's a moment where Stephanie is, you know, Brock has a title and he's getting in his limo to leave or whatever. And Brock is talking about how, you know, Brock is, Eric is talking to Brock. He's like, I'm excited to see you on Raw tomorrow night. And then Brock's not saying anything. And Stephanie walks up and she goes, Oh, you didn't hear? WWE's newest free agent just signed an exclusive contract to SmackDown. So I don't know what Raw is going to do without the main championship now. So Brock officially moved over to SmackDown. To SmackDown. Whoa. The, there's normally a post-show speech where whoever is, you know, in the main event will come out and they'll give a speech to the crowd. Thank you for coming. Blah, 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 blah. You know, they'll do the thing. After this, the Rock is visibly angry because the crowd's booing him. And um, <clears throat> during the show, the crowd's booing him. The Rock flips off the crowd. He turns, he kind of turns heel. Well, during the post show speech, he tries talking to the crowd and thank him or whatever. Once again, they knew that he was getting ready to go to Hollywood. So they start booing him. Damn. They're booing him to the point where you can't hear him speak. So he ends up cutting a promo. He says, The sing along with The Rock is over. And he drops the mic and leaves. Um, what does that, that mean? Mean the whole I'm doing my speech. I like you. I'm doing my catchphrase. You guys talk with me. No more us singing along together. Oh, okay. it's over. Yeah, I got you. The yeah. Rock ended up taking a six month hiatus, and when he returned in 2003, he ended up being a heel and turning on Hulk Hogan. We'll get to that later on when we get to, you know, whenever we get to that. All right. But this is the Rock <laughs> walking out and being the heel. Um, a little bit of. You know, aftermath information for you. Yeah. Um, all around, I guess it's time for us to get to our awards for SummerSlam 2002. Um, your match tonight. That was Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio, baby. Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, mine's Shawn Michaels and Triple H. That was a good match, too. 
Uh, worst match of the night. Jericho versus Ric Flair. I give it to Jericho and Ric Flair, too. Um, who's your Kurt Angle of the night? Your Kurt Angle award for performance of the night goes to Kurt Angle. Oh, really? Yeah. Give it to Shawn Michaels. It was good too. Damn it. Uh, your ride back for being the bitch of the night. I gave mine a test. You did? I was looking at thinking text. RIP test. I'm sorry, but like you just didn't bring it like I wanted you to. Ric Flair. Ric Flair. That's fair. All right, nature boy, whipping out your penis everywhere. Yeah, you can't be doing that. That's not right. Uh, your new Jack spot of the night, brought to you by brought to you by Snickers. Uh, probably probably Shawn Michaels table, table dive. I got the Shawn Michaels table dive too. Oy vey. And then the my whole botch of the night. I gave it to Ric Flair blowing the corner bump. That was a, that was a, the botch of the night. That was absolutely the watch of the night. And us, uh, sir, what is your final grade for SummerSlam 2002? A big three. I gave it a three and a half. It was a good show. It was a good show. Would I watch it again? No. Nah. Uh, I'm going to, at some point, we're going to release some more SummerSlam episodes. We're going to try to have a complete SummerSlam collection completed before, before we, go we go to SummerSlam 2022. This has been the Notice Qualifications Podcast. I'm Adrian. I'm Laszlo. Chica-chica. One love.